Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. Next time we see each other in person, you have to try to teach me how to floss again. Okay, I'm down. I can do okay. it. Okay. I have faith in us. Yep. Because I never could quite get it. You'll get there. Will Just I? Just takes time. Just takes time. Ugh. Noises. Noises in the deep. Drums in the deep. <laughs> Dude. Dude, so much Moria vibes in this book. I don't know if you noticed. Okay. So, I know before, we're like, the Natites are the Nartek. The Natites are the fucking Nartek, though. Right! Exactly! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) My thoughts exactly! Like, I I was reading the same book. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! Like, I was reading it, like, the last, especially the last, like, four or five chapters before they got out of the cavern. I was like, this is the the Nartek book. Yeah, it is. Except with more lava and less water, but still. Kind of in one spot, but, like, the spot where they lived, same shit. Submerged city, half out of water. Yeah, yeah council table that the queen who was insane invited them into i'm like it's the fucking nartek all over oh just how they ha- described these nartek as or, sorry <laughs> i'm just calling them the nartek these I, natites. I was just gonna say i keep yeah. fucking confusing nartek and natite because yeah so oh my god it's so similar but like these natites have like translucent skin and like giant eyes because they live underground and i was like i fucking love this and this is such an applegate like detail to add yeah Ah! yeah for sure for sure and like the all the eyes on its neck and shit too yeah and it reminded me of that really horrifying seagull that the kids ran into when they were down in the nartek thing and it scared me oh ew they are they are the nartek they are (laughs) absolutely i'm so glad that we had the same thought on that because Jesus Christ. <sighs> yep. Yeah. I yep. fucking love this so much. <laughs> if there are any Animorphs fans listening to this podcast and you haven't read Endling yet, get on it. Go. Get on it. This is your fucking chapter. Immediately. Right away. Go forth. Yeah. I was straight up like in an Animorphs book when I was reading this. Oh, I know. Oh, <laughs> it was delightful. It was fucking delightful. And I love Renzo even more now than I did previously. <laughs> He's so great. He's amazing. I love him. Oh. I love him too.
Oh, oh god, I love all of them so much. Like, oh, and Gambler got some some nuance to him in this chapter as well. That oh I like got some backstory on Gambler that was unexpected and yeah! wild. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, feel of it politics, and. Oh yeah, oh. and filament history too. Yeah. Oh my. Oh god. my god. And I'm sorry, zebra squirrels that we totally brush past. Yeah, zebra squirrels. Some avatar ass bullshit where they just take two <laughs> animals and combine them for no fucking reason. Moose lion. <laughs> <laughs> The king and his bear. Do you mean platypus bear? No, just bear. <laughs> Fucking king and his bear. <laughs> I love that uh, joke. I love that joke so much. It's brilliant. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I read Zebra Squirrels, I was like, this is some Avatar-ass bullshit. It is! Oh my god. I got very excited about that. Then I was like, is it just like a squirrel with zebra pattern? Or is it like... That's what I was have- picturing. That's what I was picturing too, but... You know, because like a little stripy squirrel, that squirrel could it could help it blend in with the tree branches and shit. So mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense to me. Yep, keeps insects off of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love them. Me too. I wanted one real bad. I have a question for you though. Yeah. Where Where's Valino? No, where is he? I'm extremely upset about this. Okay, I have no idea. Oh no! Like, did he came with them after they left the Merdano, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He was with them all the way up through like the last battle and shit. Oh no! Where is he? (laughs) If we're going with Lord of the Rings standards, Dan, cover your ears. This is Lord of the Rings talk. If we're going with Lord of the Rings standards, they just sent him back. Because that's what they did with Bill the Pony, right? They sent him back to, uh, to his name will come to me in a second. Um, the guy that's super powerful, that's married to the river elf, which god Elrond? No. Um, Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. Oh, Tom yeah, that's Bombadil. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew it would take me a second to remember his name, but I got there in the end. Yeah, uh, that's what they did with Bill the Pony. They just loosed him back, and he went back to Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Oh. But Tom Bombadil wasn't in the movie, so where did they get him in the movie? They did not put him in the movies. They took him out. Bill the Pony? No, no, Tom Bombadil. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, where did Bill come from in the movies? Where did he go? Where did you come from? <laughs> Cotton Nitro. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I do not know where Bill the Pony went in the movies. Oh, God. They just got to the Mines of Moria and they're like, go, think, Bill. Shoo. I think he came from Rivendell, didn't he? In the movies, I think so, yeah. Okay. But I don't, like, they just loosed him at the Mines of Moria, and I don't know what happened to him after that. Oh, no. Seriously, where did Valino go? I'm he's just, just looking not the in the book. book. I'm like, sad. He, he's not in this book at all. 
Also, Dog was not mentioned in this book until all of a sudden he just kind of reappeared. I was like, Dog's here? Dog's here, but Valino's not? What the fuck? That's how I got confused about where Valino was, because Dog, yeah, you're right, Dog just kind of randomly appeared and I'd forgotten all about him, and then I was like, hang on, someone's missing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, like, what were they going to do with Valino? Lead him through a dark cave? We already know he hates those. But they weren't expecting to go in the cave because they were attacked That's by true. the... The razor gulls. Oh, now I'm confused. Okay, they definitely... We were dismissed. Blah, blah, blah. Valino. Yeah. Karn, Tabal, and Valino. They left the Mordano with Valino. Mm-hmm. Son of a bitch. I believe the last time, if I remember correctly, the last time we heard of them with Felino was when they were traveling through all of, like, the increasingly, like, rural, wild terrain. And uh, they were riding the horses through there past, like, the abandoned encampments of the Murdano. And that yeah. was, like, the last we heard of Felino. <sighs> and what was uh, Bix's horse name? Like, Wing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wing? Yeah. It just seems so weird to me. Valino was part of the family. Yeah. She set him up as a character in the first book. And then he's just not there in the second book with no explanation. Yeah. I'm I'm upset. I'm upset too. Oh, Maybe no. we can tweet at Catherine. Catherine, yeah. where 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 Valino go? We're in part Hashtag, one of Endling Two. Where that Valino? <laughs> yep. Is this a plot hole? This, is this a plot hole? Does he come back? Is this a plot point? Oh no! You've never led me astray before, but yes. Oh no! This is very important to me. We stand, Valino. We just we want st- to know he's okay. Just want to know that he's safe and alive. <laughs> and well and fed and happy. And having a good time, yeah. Having a great time. Is he happy? That's all that matters. <laughs> oh no. Maybe well, she got to this point and she's like, Valino is just one too many characters. Well, yeah. And kind of a logistical error as well. But like it could have easily have been so when they get attacked by the razor gulls, maybe Valina could have just like run off, and then they went to the cave, and then somebody was like, well, "What about Valino?" And Kara's like, "Oh, we'll find him afterwards or something," and then they could reunite later in the book or something. I don't know. There does seem to be like a time jump though from where the last book ended to this one. Yeah. Like, not long, but they're, like, they're on the journey now. Like, we didn't pick up, like, okay, now we're leaving from where we killed the Fire Knight. It's like, so anyways, we're hundreds of miles away now. Right. So maybe he's, like, at a city or a town along the way. Maybe they went back to, like, the burned-down husk of a village that they had visited. (laughs) They traded him for food. Oh, God, no! (laughs) No. Maybe there's, like, a a horse impound lot or something. You can just, like, leave your horse there. 
there for a while and come back. They and like get him boot later. your fucking horse up, and you have to pay money to get him out of the <laughs> lot. Jesus. <laughs> oh no. But yeah, I'm really curious about where where our boar went. I'm yeah, me too. Worried. I'm very worried. I'm very worried too. Because I don't want him to just like get written out of the book for no reason. No, God no. He better come back. Yeah, I need him to live. We all need him. <sighs> well, now that we've talked about this book, would you like to talk about this book? <laughs> I would love to. Alrighty. I'm doing the notes today, everyone. So, huzzah! Bear with me. Okay, so. We open with Bix telling us that she is not brave or bold or a leader, but she is the last of her species. She says that she would love to be as brave as her friend Kara, who has saved her life, but leaders are born and not made. She tells us that her father had always told her and her siblings to feel fear but choose courage, and that's what made a leader. Bix is familiar with fear. She's not sure about the courage part and thinks she is good at acting, but pretending not to be afraid is not the same as true fearlessness. She talks about how she loves her brave friends and how they are on a quest to find more Darrens. And she talks about how her family was killed, how is she that, and how she is the runt, useless, and the least brave. She's afraid she'll never see another of her own kind, and she travels with her fear as an ugly, inescapable companion. But there are new fears too, such as the one that happened yesterday. And that's chapter one. Yeah, chapter one is wild and then also is this the chapter where bix mentions it all takes place over a couple months did she 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 mentioned it either in this chapter or the next one she's like so anyways i left my family who all died a couple months ago uh man yeah because we haven't really gotten like a sense of time yet no so when they said a couple months i was like you mean it hasn't been like six months of fucking travel this is all taking place over like two months that's crazy yeah i think i i think I, oh just months ago my entire pack was wiped out by soldiers so yeah 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 that's that was fat that was way faster than i thought i mean thinking back it makes sense like with the six parts all of them took place over like a week or two weeks yeah so it makes sense but like i was like holy shit like it feels like we've come so far and it's only been a couple months mm-hmm well, and it, it kind of puts me in the headspace of the the characters, too. Because I bet if you're in that kind of position, you're not really keeping track of the time in that way. No. So no. I like that, that we're kind of feeling the same sort of like, holy shit, it's been that long kind of situation. <laughs> I liked that. And I liked that um, it really like brought together. Like, there was some questioning... Like, not hard questioning, but there was some question about, like, Renzo's loyalty throughout this part. Mm -hmm. And I really like that with given the timeline of a couple months, how, like, Kara and Tobble and, like, all of those guys, they have, like, a bond forged in fire because they've been through so much shit. But, like, you're right. If you've known Renzo for a couple of weeks and been through, like, barely anything. I mean, they've been through some (laughs) big shit, but, like, you know what I mean. They haven't been through as much with him. Yeah. I, I like that there's still, like, that edge of question. Yeah. And the fact that this motherfucker will just be like, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit if you think I'm a liar. I'm not answering in front of the fucking Darren. Fuck you guys. 
<laughs> he was much nicer about it, but still. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm jumping way ahead. I'm so it, sorry. A okay. Uh so yeah, next chapter. Um Bix and her companions are headed towards the mountains by way of a cliff. It is apparently very fucking cold, and they decide to rest on a triangle-shaped ledge. Um, as they're unpacking their stuff, they see some razor gulls, and Renzo tells them that razor gulls steal stuff and then unload it onto pirate ships, and the pirates give them fresh catch in return. Um, but he thinks it'll be fairly safe as long as they keep an eye out. Um, <laughs> Gambler decides he's had enough of biscuits, and he decides to go hunt some real prey in the field, which I loved. Um, and then we learn that Tobble is actually the best chef in the group, which is great. And he gets ready to make dinner, and he grumbles about theurgy, which is what Renzo uses to cook. Um, Bix goes to find Renzo and Kara, and they are standing on the edge of the cliff watching more razor gulls. Uh, Bix talks a little bit about Kara and how she is the leader, but Renzo has kind of become the guide, and they are looking out for a floating island, um, which is where Bix saw the Darren in the last book. And as Bix is telling them that uh, dinner is ready... The Razor Gulls suddenly change direction and swoop towards them in attack formation. Bix's old friend Fear has returned, and they are the target. So, off to, uh, off to the races here. Roll for initiative. I mean, I know we're not supposed to talk about Lord of the Rings. We never said that, but whatever. I know that we're not <laughs> drawing direct comparison with Lord of the Rings. Come on, but... from <laughs> Yes, exactly! Caravine from Dunland, and... <laughs> the whole being in the the like snowy mountain cliffs where they're taking rests on like uh-huh. blah blah blah, and then oh a triangular bit of rock where they're attacked by a bunch of birds. Never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just hitting all those good like high fantasy beats, and I love it. Oh my oh. god, it is so high fantasy. I love that Tobble is the best chef. When they talked about the biscuits that he made, they're like, yeah, this motherfucker just whipped up some biscuits in the fucking wild. Yeah, they said it was like eating clouds, but if clouds were made of honey or something like that. Yes. And I, I, after that, I was like, I want biscuits so bad right now. You gonna make biscuits? Oh, you gonna make biscuits? Somebody was saying the other day that like... There's something about fantasy foods that, like, Mm. you can be like, oh, you could, like, get all this. Like, you can order whatever, right? You can go on Uber Eats and order whatever. But think about how much you want food when it's, like, cheese and bread. Oh. Right? It's such a good combo. Biscuits that, that were, like, Aries clouds tasted like honey. I fucking want biscuits. Right. So much. Oh, sounds so good. I wonder oh if God, it's, like, please. a meringue or something. Because meringue is kind of, like, kind of that, like, puffed air sort of, like, melts in your mouth. Very kind of soft but solid. Yeah, but, like, can you... You can't make meringue without, like, an, a well, no heat source. No, and, you, yeah, and a lot of whipping. But, like, I'm just trying to think of a comparable sort of... I, I imagined it like croissanty. Oh, yeah. Something with lots of air in it. Yeah, like he was laminating the sheets of the dough <laughs> to make it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <gasps> that's right. We fucking watch Great British Bake Off. Yeah, Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get the dough nice and thin, and you put the butter in, and make a rough puff or whatever it is. Fold it, roll it, fold it, boil roll it, it, mash it, stick it in a stew. <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> uh, so the birds are coming at them. It's terrifying. Uh, Kara immediately tells Bix and Tobble to hit the ground. Uh, Renzo tells her to grab a torch because Razor Girls apparently hate smoke. Bix does not get down on the ground, but she grabs her own torch because she wants to help. Uh, the birds hit them like a hailstorm and just start slicing them up. Like, even poor dog is getting pummeled by these birds. Um, I know! He's just a dog! He's just a puppy! He didn't do nothing wrong! Um, they're trying to fend off the birds, but they're coming from all directions and they're just slicing everybody to ribbons. Um, and they try to get the, their cooking fire between them and the birds, but the birds are coming in from the back and just swooping all around. Um, and a lot of them are tearing through their belongings, trying to find some loot. Um, Kara's like, retreat, head to the cliffs. Um, because then the birds can only come at them from the front and sides and not from the back. So they can just like butt up against the cliff. Uh, as they're retreating, um... Kara's torch goes out and she gets covered by gulls and Tobble goes into berserker mode and he tries to fight them off and Bix and Rendo, Renzo join in and they clear the birds off of her and they grab her and they head to the cliffs and then they hear Gambler's voice and he guides them to a safe spot and Gambler's like batting at these birds and eating some of them. You know, why not? He's a good kitty. Um, and he goes back for Renzo, and Renzo, like, has to grab him around the neck, like, underneath him, and he, like, drags him to safety. Um, and Gambler leads them into a cave where the birds can't get at them. And inside they can kind of take a rest and bandage each other's wounds, and Dog tries to lick them clean. Because he's a good dog. And then, after they have a minute to recover, Kara is basically like, cave or death? And everybody says, cave, please! And they head into the cold and endless blackness. I just love that such a big part of this chapter was Bix's struggle accepting Dog as a creature that Bix might be okay with. Yep. (laughs) Yep. She has like an existential crisis about Dog in the next chapter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Renzo refuses to acknowledge that Dog can do any wrong at all. That's... Why I love him. One of the reasons. One of, one of many one reasons. One of many reasons. <laughs> He's just so dedicated to his dog dog. Yeah, and like he gets the shit beaten out of him in this part. Like that dude comes away with so many fucking injuries between the razor gulls and like later no. chapters. Yeah. What kind of dog do you picture dog being? I I always picture him like a Burmese mountain dog or something. <gasps> oh, I love her. Giant fluffy dog. I was picturing like um, an old English sheepdog, so I'm I'm with you on the big and the fluffy. Big fluffy dog, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love him. Whatever kind of dog he is, I love him. He's a good dog. He's a perfect dog. Yeah, he's a good good boy. Whatever he is, he's a good good boy. Yes. (sighs) Fluffy dog. He's a big dog. dog. He's my dog dog. Because Renzo is a creative namer boy. I mean, the dude just tells it like it is. 
Yeah. Whatever the situation. He's very, like, get to the point. He's mm. dog. His name's dog. It's fine. He's a, it's a perfect name. Dog. Dog is a dog. Duh. Everybody's heard. Bath the dog. 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 <laughs> dog. 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 Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So they are making their way deeper and deeper into the cave. Um, there's only one dimly lit torch to light their way. Gambler can see a little bit, but not too much. Um, they sense an open space ahead and they can smell this water that reminds them of minerals and marsh and mushrooms. Um, then the torch finally goes out and Gambler tells them to hold hands with each other and then hold on to his tail. And they just walk in a little line, which is adorable. Uh, I like that he chose, like, Bix, you hold my tail. They're Everybody like, else. They're like besties and I love it. <sighs> they just have this, like wonderful mutual respect for each other and i just i love it yeah <sighs> i agree <laughs> i also love how um they're walking through the darkness for like hours and hours and they pass the time by complaining about all their cuts and bruises and singing an old wabak song about giant mudworms that is fucking adorable <laughs> That's adorable. I love that they all, like, learn the chorus. They're like, we're gonna get this shit down. <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, Tobble is, like, such the heart of the group. He, oh my god. Tobble is, like, Tobble is the front that they can all unite around. Like, mm-hmm. I truly feel that. Because, like, he's so sweet and so pure that it's, like, he is the in with everybody. Like, yeah. He, High charisma. Yeah, Tobble's perfect. He's the best. I love him. I love him so much. And I love that he's still, like, playing with his braided tails. Like, he's still, like, not used to it yet. Oh, I know. Uh, He's the best. He is the best. Like, he's just, he's the purest, most wonderful, sweetest character. He is. God. And he still has a little pudgy belly. I know. He's a little belly. (laughs) His big old ears. <laughs> big old ears, his floofy tails that are all braided, and a big pudgy belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so cute later in the book, too. Oh. Um, so, they are talking about mudworms and how gross they are. And then finally, Gambler senses light ahead, and they make their way towards it. And they find themselves, like, a hundred feet above this giant, vast cavern that could have fit the entire Nadaran capital inside it. And it's like decorated with this forest of stalagmites and stalactites. And inside the middle of this cavern is a giant lake with this really flat, like undisturbed dark water. So fucking awesome. And um, if they had have said there was battleships with people that uh, were stuffed with kelp and sewn back up, I wouldn't have been fucking surprised. Oh my god, it's so true. <laughs> yes, this is where the Nartek shit happened. <laughs> I will I will fucking for the rest of Endling, the all the books that are left, I will never be able to think of them as anything but Nartek. And I'll yeah. try to say Natites. But I will 100% fuck that up and say Nartek. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. Even some of the physiological thing later. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <sighs> we'll talk about it. It's frustrating. Yeah. 
Fucking yeah. Ugh. Okay. They're they're fucking Naruto. Okay. Anyways. They are. They are absolutely. Um. So across the lake, they see some small like fires going. Um, so they start to make their way down the cavern and they're trying to avoid the stalagmites so they don't get even more busted up than they already are, but, you know, they're, they're getting cut and bruised all the way down. Um, they finally reach a black sand beach and they are contemplating whether or not to rest and build a fire. Kara says they should wait until they find out who is across the lake. Um, they take a minute to freshen up their bandages with some special leaves um, and then Bix starts apologizing to everyone for their predicament, which is like the first of many times that she's going to do this. Um, and Renzo's saying like, no, don't go down that path. Like we're all in this together. We all chose this, but she still feels guilty. Um, cause you know, they're stuck here because she thought she saw another Darren, but she couldn't be sure about it. Um, and then we get kind of a little bit of a recap about how Darren's consent lies and it's a burdensome gift. And how they got away from the Murdano, you know, recap stuff. Um, and this is where she has her existential crisis about dog. He comes over and starts licking her. And she goes into this monologue about how she doesn't really like dogs because she's often mistaken for one. Um, and that Darren's are much better designed than dogs and have a better grasp of language and are more intelligent. They don't do stupid things like ask for belly scratches and sniff butts. And she's being kind of pretentious about it, honestly. Um, but then it, it kind of hits home for me because she punctuates this by saying that there are so many dogs and so few Darren's, which I think is really like the heart of, of the issue here. Um, and as dog licks her hand, she tells him he is a good little doggy and his tail starts wagging and she decides that maybe dogs aren't so bad and she needs all the friends she can get anyway. And that's the end of that chapter. Okay. So I think you make an amazing point about the dogs and the Darren's. And one of the reasons why Bix is so resentful of dogs is because there's so many of them and so few Darren's, but I think another part of that is like she must be feeling like why are people so accepting of dogs and like they want them in their homes they're welcoming to them and not to me. Yeah, totally. Like that's a great fucking point. Oh my god. Yeah, like what does that mean? Oh man. Yeah, cuz it's like very like physiologically not like super similar but you know kind of similar yeah that's a really good point and like every time she's encountered a person like she she mentions i think even in this part like whenever she runs into humans as a dog they like pet her they give her food they treat her well and then every time she reveals she's a darren she's like captured she's tortured like yeah absolutely crazy that's a great point oh my god yeah, yeah, I could see how she could be a little resentful of that. Yeah. Yeah, why not? It's because dogs are more subservient than Darren's, Bix. Dogs can't only tell the truth. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, see, that's like another layer of complexity that we could, like, get from the text without Applegate being like, this is how she felt. Oh, my yep. God. So good. So good. Fucking so fucking that. good. If only she told us where Valino was. I this know! Would be <laughs> I'm very concerned. Instead of letting us struggle. Yeah. She's like, I'll give you all this nuanced character stuff, but I don't know where the fuck that horse went. Oh my god, listen. There's one thing that's important to me, and it's where Valino is! 
is. I want to go horseback riding. <laughs> Sorry. That was very Craig. I feel like that's just your state of mind at all time. I want to go horseback riding. Yep. Pretty much. Shit. Funny. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, uh, man. That's such a good point. <sighs> Everyone's like, dogs are great. Bix is like, I don't know about that. Yeah. like Bix is like, what the fuck? What's so great about dogs that isn't great about me? I have a pouch and I can glide and I look like a dog. I'm the superior dog. Superior dog. I don't sniff butts. Rudely. I don't sniff butts. Sniffing butts is gross. Yeah. She does call dogs the- like rude. And I enjoyed that. Because I've never thought of dogs as rude before. I mean, it's kind of true. Untrained dogs, for sure. Well, yeah, I guess dogs can be rude, but like, I think I just ignore that because they're so cute and great. Well, yeah, it's like you're crawling into my lap obnoxiously and you weigh 80 pounds. That is rude, but I love it. Yeah. You're going to fart on me, but you can't help it because you're a dog. You're going to lick peanut butter directly out of my mouth. That's extremely rude, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yep. (laughs) Fucking dogs. They're the best. They are. They're good puppers. You're going to repeatedly present your butt to me to scratch. That is rude. But But here you go. Scratch, scratch, scratch. Yeah, exactly. But I'll I'll be I'll feel guilty if I walk away from scratching your ass. Yeah, you're gonna lick your butthole right in front of me. I mean, how else are and you then gonna lick clean my it? face? Yeah, listen, you don't have opposable thumbs. It's fine. Uh, anyway, yes, dogs are great. Dogs are great. It might not have seemed like that was the point we were building towards with all of the <laughs> words that came out of our mouth, but that is where we're gonna net out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Oh, puppies. I'm glad that she's coming around to dog, though. Like, maybe she kind of recognized that, like, she has... She has a lot of kind of implicit biases that she's working through. They all do. Yeah, that's true. Like, because another big point was uh, Tobble and Gambler working through a lot of implicit biases Uh there between their two species. So, yeah, yeah, there's a a lot of that going on. Aw, I love that. Yeah, and on top of that, I think Bix also has brought up already the fact that, like, it's totally different in human culture that women are treated differently than men, and that mm-hmm. how that's, like, not a thing at all in Darren culture. Yep. So. There's a lot happening. Ugh. No, the reason why humans suck. Yes. Yes. Ugh. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Are we ready to meet the Nartek? Yeah, let's let's meet, <laughs> let's, let's meet the Nartek. <laughs> All right. So after a brief rest and plenty of groaning, uh, the party gets up and they start walking. And soon they encounter they encounter kind of a cliff face that sort of cuts them off. And basically, they have to go into the lake water to go around it. Um. Renzo kind of goes out first, and he announces there's a ledge that they can walk on under the water. Um, so Kara 
gets Tobble to climb on her back. And then Renzo offers the same for Bix, but Bix is not paying attention. She's looking at Gambler. And Gambler is like pacing around and freaking out because apparently he, like many cats, does not like water. Um, and Bix is like, I don't understand. He's so brave. Why is he scared of water? And Gambler's like, I'm not scared. I just don't like it. You never know what's going to be lurking under the surface. Which, like, fair. Um, <laughs> Kara tries to lighten the mood by saying that if uh, something tries to attack her, she'll just throw Tobble to them. <laughs> Which is so mean. Uh, but um, she gets in the water and after a couple minutes, they make it to the other side. And Renzo once again offers for Bix to ride on his shoulders, but she decides to ride with Gambler to support him. And Renzo's like, oh, right. Gotcha. And so he goes off alone. And then Bix and Gambler go, and Gambler actually can't take the ledge, so he has to actually, like, swim in the water. And Bix can sense his fear through his tense muscles and his shallow breathing, and she's like, oh shit, he really is scared. Does he feel fear like I do? Uh, and fortunately, they make it to the other side. She thanks him for the ride, and he pretends to be angry about it, but he's really relieved and thankful. Um, and they start towards the campfires at the village. They make it about a quarter of the league away before they hear this, like, blaring horn, and suddenly a dozen creatures explode out of the water and fly into the air and land between them and the village, and it's the Nartek Natites! Is that not exactly how... The Nartek appeared to the Animorphs too. <laughs> Was there not like an alarm that started blaring and then they all I'm, popped up out of the water? I don't know, but probably. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just the Nartek. It's the Nartek again. Alex, I want to get Catherine on the podcast and interview her about Endling. Like, I want that's, this. I have so That's many- amazing, because when we were talking to her about Animorphs, you were like, I never want her to hear any of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. But I just, I have so many questions for her about Endling. I don't know. And this, this is absolutely one of them. It's like, we're... <laughs> Did you just read the Nartek book and you were just like, eh, yeah, I'll throw some of this in there. She was probably like, it's been 30 years. It's high time we resurrect the Nartek. Nobody will remember this. And then we fucking came along. Two assholes that are like, we're going to read everything you've ever written. And she's like, you motherfuckers. I thought I could get away with this. Find the common thread between all the books you've ever written. Oh my god, what oh. if there is, like, a Nartek throwaway in every book she's ever written? Oh like, my god. What if she's like, this is my calling card? <laughs> Nartek. The Nartek are my calling card. It's always a species, aquatic, it starts with an N, and they're always fucking creeps yeah. that come out of the deep yeah. and do some weird-ass shit, oh, and no. they're mentally unstable oh, no. the whole time. Oh my god, oh. I want this. I don't know how this is going to work into Ivan, but I'm I'm fucking ready to face it. <laughs> Maybe he'll have, like, dreams about scary water people. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to hear Danny DeVito narrate what the Nartek are like. That would, Oh, yeah. That would be great. Oh. And then you can find out, like, 
when did you become a fan of Catherine Applegate? It'll be on what you call these water creatures. Like, we'll say Nartek. They'll be like, oh, you gave yourselves away. You are you came in through Animorphs. Yep. But then other people will be like, Natites will be like, oh, you came in through Endling. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that. I wonder how she feels about the shape of water. By Guillermo. Night Shyamalan movie? Guillermo del Toro, I think. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, he was Lady in the Water is what I'm thinking. Yes, 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 yep, 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 yep. Guillermo del Toro is, I think, more respectable at this point in the humanity's eyes than M. Night Shyamalan. I think just his movies are objectively better. I don't know. I feel like I, I heard recently a lot of hate for Labyrinth, and I did not get it. For Pan's Labyrinth? Really? Yeah. Really? I thought that was, like, universally adored. That's what I thought, too. And then I was listening to, like, a movie review podcast, and they were like, this is not a good movie. And I'm like, it's a fucking great movie. What are you talking about? And, like, it just, it baffled me. They were talking about, like, and, like, the other co-hosts, like, kind of started to agree, like, First of all, they were talking about, like, the plot. They're like, yeah, the plot's, like, predictable. It's, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, maybe. But also, isn't it, like, a common fairy tale? Like, yeah. that, doesn't that come with the territory of being, like, a foible or whatever? A predictable plot does not a good movie make, like, or a bad movie make, you know? Like, it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, and, like, it, so much of that movie hinges on, like, character design and the, mm-hmm. the feel of it yeah. that it's, like, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I didn't really like it because I didn't like the face-smashing bit. I think, like, some guy gets, like, his face smashed in the bottle and it's really gross, but I didn't... Oh, yeah, that. I, and the, I didn't love that. Yeah. Fetus part. Oh, yeah. There's blood everywhere. Yeah, I saw that the and I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't love any of this, but I like appreciate the, you know, the artistic. I enjoyed it and it. I really enjoyed the character designs, which mm-hmm. I think was the strongest part. Oh, but, yeah. Like, yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. I've never seen the, the other one, Lady in the Water. Shape of Water? No. Yeah, Shape of Water. Now I'm going to get those two confused. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that was really good. She has sex with the fish, man. Yes, I have not seen that one. What else did he do? Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hellboy was good. And then I don't know what else because I am a bad person who doesn't do movies very much. I'm sorry that we don't have IMDB inside of our heads. We can only (laughs) keep so much space here. Yep. Yeah. For not not a movie whiz, not a TV show whiz, and I've never claimed to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's all okay. Yeah. Uh how did we get here? Oh yeah. Nartek. Natites. Natites, Nartek. Uh Natites. Nutella. Nutella. The other enemy. Nutella. Tasty though. I love Nutella. Me too. And then I switched to, like, cake frosting, because I'm a trash human. <laughs> because it's objectively better. I mean, Nutella is amazing, but, like, why have breakfast spread when you can go straight to dessert? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly true. And that's that's when you vote for me, 
That's what you'll get. That's what I stand <laughs> for. <laughs> Alex for president. Frosting for everyone. Frosting for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everyone. Frosting in a can for everybody. Oh, it sounds so good right now. It does. Now I really want some. Me okay. too. No. Get it together, Alex. <laughs> Let's learn about the Natites. Um, Please. And they're fucking fat ass slug ponies. Oh, yeah. It's slug ponies. Okay. So as we already discussed earlier in the podcast, these Natites are translucent and they have giant eyes and they have a second set of eyes protruding from stalks behind their jawbones. Um, they are also heavily armed. Because, yeah, we love we love a good eye stock here at Animorphs Anonymous. <laughs> we do, I'm sorry. I'm glad you <laughs> caught the gasp of delight at the eye stocks. <gasps> They're here. <laughs> I love it. Oh. Yet another calling card of Kay Applegate mm-hmm. that I am delighted by. If they start talking about cinnamon buns, I'm going to fucking lose my oh mind. Oh, my God. That would be too good to be true. It would. It would be. Ugh. Um... So yeah, they're heavily armed, and Kara's like putting down her sword and holding up her palms and trying to pacify them and saying, "Hey, like we're not here to threaten you or anything." Um, and then Bix looks at the village and she sees uh, some huts jutted out over the water, and then she sees a stone fence with a bunch of white slug ponies, and they're adorable, I imagine. Um, and then she sees a group of natites approaching. And one of them is on top of the giant slug, and she figures it must be the village elder. And this group approaches, and they announce this elder as Larkamissa, who is the queen and holder of many titles. And the list goes on for many minutes, and it's very boring. Um, Kara introduces herself, and Larkamissa's like, That's awesome! Get the fuck out of my kingdom or die! <laughs> um... And Bix notices that she has a really beautiful musical voice that sounds like many instruments, like a symphony, and it's very cool. Um, Larkamissa and Kara have this long-winded exchange where Kara's trying to be, like, very, you know, calm and careful and polite, but everything that Larkamissa interprets from her is some sort of threat or insult, and Kara's getting very, very frustrated after a few minutes. And then Bix interrupts and says that she is a Darren, she can sense lies, and she can vouch for her friend Kara, who's telling the truth. And Larkamus is like, oh, a Darren? Why didn't you say so? Come join us for a royal meal. Which, like, straight out of the Nartek book. Ugh. It's fine. We like your jeans. Yeah. Come join our meal. Yeah. We want to steal your jeans. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so they walk towards the village and Bix sees most of the village is actually underwater, but each building has a, like a dry space in it for a natite to sit or lounge. Um, and inside Larkamissa's hut, there's a small staircase that you walk down and a central circular room with a big pool in it. And there's a dry space around the edge. I think that sounds fucking rad as hell. I would live in a house like that. Me too. Um... There are these servants that offer them, like, fish and delicious water. And Larkimus is telling all of them about her history. The group of her people split off from the Subdurnatites who were exiled. And they fleed the land and found this little oasis of life-giving water. Um, Kara does not like the fish, but everyone else seems cool with it. 
And Larkimissa asks them to explain how they got here, and they tell her about the razor gulls, and Bix goes to show her all the cuts that they got, but then they realize that uh, their wounds have been healed. And Larkimus is like, yeah, the water has healing powers, and that's why we stay hidden here, and if everybody else knew about this place, they would attack us and take it for themselves. And then our group of kids is like, oh shit, they're not going to let us out of here alive with the secret. Um, and Larkimissa basically says, like, yeah, so how can we be sure to trust you with this? And Renzo kind of comes to the rescue, and he's like, you Natites should steal the opening that we came through, and we you should escort us out with blindfolds when we leave. And the queen thinks this is a pretty good idea, and then she tells them that before they can leave, they must perform a task, and Tobble's like, how bad could that be? And then... She tells them, and they have their answer. Dun dun dun. Yeah, this was straight fucking. I was like, oh, so is their water irradiated? Is the problem that they like have irradiated? <laughs> like, I was trying to compare it, but I think in this particular sense, they're kind of like the anti-Nartek because they have like the good shit, and they're worried people are going to come to them instead yeah. of them trying to break out to take over people. Yeah, I yeah. okay, but I just thought of something. So. You remember when the queen in the Animorphs book was, like, saying all this shit and Axe and Marco were, like, whispering to Jake, like, yeah, that's a fucking lie and that's bullshit and, you know, all this shit? Like, the exact same thing happens in, like, the next scene. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) Oh, no. Fuck. This is, they are the Nartak. And, okay, to jump ahead, not to jump ahead, but to jump ahead a little bit, when that happens, like, in the next scene, they also know right away that, like, the Nartek intend on killing them, like, the Mm -hmm. Natites intend on killing- Oh. Yeah. Oh my god. Animorphs all the way down. It's Animorphs all the way down. (laughs) Oh my god, it's true. Oh man, it's all Animorphs. It all all roads lead back to Animorphs. Yep. Uh, which is funny because I don't think did Catherine even write that book? That was a ghost written book, right? Yeah, I think it was a ghost written book. Okay, she probably did the outline but, for it though. Yeah, they they did the outlines for the books, so I think it was like her idea, and then she was like, "Let's do the Nartek right in Endling." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yep, yep, it's just animorphs. Okay, animorphs all the way down. Yep. Uh, so Bix gets to ride a white slug pony, which is apparently very gross. Um, it is taller than a horse, but its head is held low on the ground. Um, and the queen has given them these ponies and escorts to take them to their destination. They head down the tunnels with only the glowing lights of the Natite escorts to guide them. Um, and they sense some like light and warmth ahead. And the Natites are like having trouble breathing. And, like, having, like, physiological, like, crashing over it, which 
You mean like their bodies weren't built for land and like they were trying to find a way to travel on land? Oh my god. Never heard this plot before. Oh my god. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I feel like we're bullying Catherine, oh, but like no. I'm delighted that this is in this book. Yeah, I'm not saying like, oh, you, she's just recycling from the. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like it all works very well. It's very compelling, yeah. but we're just giggling because like it's very similar, and we're just having yeah. a good time with it. Oh yeah, like it's very much one of those moments where it's like. I don't think this book was ever written like when it when Catherine was writing it, it was not at the forefront of her mind that like, oh, Animorphs fans will one day be reading this yeah, book. Yeah. And like it's very in, in these moments it's kinda like, gotcha. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted by all of this. It's great. I agree. I love it so much. Oh my god. <sighs> Um, so yeah, they're struggling to breathe. Um, and they explain to the group that they are to find three sacred items that were lost when the Natites fled persecution. There is a crown, the symbol of Larcarissa's noble birth. There is a shield and there is an eye, which is apparently a toy gifted to the queen by her mother. Um, and apparently traders tried to steal the items at one point and they escaped, but there was a volcanic eruption and they believed that was brought on by angry gods. Um, and one of the Natites says that just ahead, there are a bunch of pools and streams and the objects are in the bottom of the inner pool. And Bix is sensing a lie by omission. Like she's not getting the full story here. Um, and Kara's like, okay, but you're going to let us go if we retrieve these items, right? And the Natites say, the queen has said so, which is kind of another red flag for her. Cause they're like, no, she fucking didn't. Um, and finally... They say that there is only one way in or out, and then it, the Natite kind of goes like, oh shit, and kind of looks at Bix, and Bix pretends that she didn't hear it, but she knows it's a fucking lie. Um, the Natites get to a point where they can't go any further, so our group continues on foot, and finally they come across a large cavern, and it is just filled with streams of magma, and they see the rectangular pool with the water, and the streams of water undulating, and they're like, going between streams of magma and there's like steam and like falling lava and magma everywhere. And it's fucking cool. Um, Kara's like, this is insane. Like we're not doing this, but Renzo kind of evaluates the path to the pool and he's like, Oh yeah, I can totally get to the pool. Um, and he can do this because he's a very good thief, but also he can sense there is magic and mathematics at work. And <laughs> Gambler and Brenzo kind of geek out over math because apparently um, Gambler was studying math before he was imprisoned over at the at the Scholar Island. Um, and they're kind of geeking out, but then they see the look on Kara's face and they're like, okay, back to business. Um, Renzo says when he reaches the pool, he'll need something that, that can withstand the heat to reach in and pull out the objects. And Kara's like, oh, hell no, you are not taking my sword. It is priceless. And you're totally going to steal it, aren't you? And Renzo pulls kind of an Aladdin move. And he's like, hey, I can't tell you. I can't tell you one thing or another. You're just going to have to trust me. Do you trust me? And she, she like growls and, and fights. But finally she hands it over and she's just so upset about it. 
<sighs> she growls at him repeatedly. <laughs> Straight up growls at him. I, it's fucking okay. delightful. Like, if this story was being told from the perspective of Kara or Renzo, this would be like a love story that we are mm. watching develop. But it's not. So this is totally like a C D plot. Like this is so far back there, but I fucking love it. Yeah. I'm all about this. Oh my god. <laughs> I just love like I Renzo is just so fucking brazen with his like, Alright, Bix, tell me if he's lying. Are you gonna steal my sword? And he's like, straight up not gonna answer that question. You're the brave leader. What do your instincts <laughs> say? Like bullying her. Yes. <laughs> Oh, it's delightful. It's delightful. Also, what the fuck did Gambler the math nerd do to get thrown in jail? Counting cards. Casey, oh, he count. That's why he's Gambler. Oh, he said he pissed off the wrong people. Math jail. He pissed off the casinos. Oh, I kind of love that. I. That's my prediction. That I'm straight up. That's, that's a legit prediction. That's that's a great prediction. I fucking love that. Oh, I, he's got a gambling yeah. problem. He's got... His name is Gambler. He has a gambling problem. He pissed off the casinos counting cards. He's good at math. On the fly math. Oh my god, he's the Jesper of the group. By that logic, Kara is the Casbrecker of the group. <laughs> Renzo is Inej. Oh, yes. And I fucking love that. <laughs> oh, my God. We've been comparing them to Lord of the Rings all this time. We should have been comparing them to Six of Crows. As if we didn't have a whole half hour discussion of Six of Crows on the last oh episode. Oh, my God. Two episodes ago or whatever. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh I was actually, I meant to tell you before we got on the call today that I think I figured out the reason why I care so little for Matthias and Nina's relationship. Okay. It's boring. Yeah. And that's it. That's why I don't like it. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah. All right. They hate each other. They love each other. That's great. But, like, there's nothing, there's nothing of... It's not like Kaz and Enej, where yeah. it's like fraught and interesting, and mm -hmm. there's mental ish. Anyways, yeah. So that's how I feel about Six of Crows. <laughs> oh, I love. Yeah, I just. I'm so excited to get to the next book. I just have to finish Project Hail Mary, and then I'll be there. Ah! <laughs> Angry Kermit <laughs> flail. Oh. Oh. Oh my god, I love this new thing that we've come up with, though. <laughs> Kara's Kaz. I mean, she's much, like, she's nowhere near as dark or as broken as Kaz, yeah. but, like... But, yeah. She has... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, she's the mastermind leader of the group. Right. And she's cranky. <laughs> she's cranky. <laughs> oh my god, does that make Tobble... Uh, fuck, what's his name? The 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 nobleman son. Oh, the demo kit Wyland. Yes, Wyland. Does that make Tobble Wyland? Yeah, it might. 
Oh my god. Okay, who else is there? There's Bix. Well, there's Bix, who we haven't. <laughs> oh. oh my god. I just want to read Six of Crows again. <laughs> this is terrible. I have so many other books to read. Oh god. God, I know that feeling. Yep. 1,000 books to read and all you want to read is... <laughs> <laughs> Our old favorite. But I've already read that book. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, yeah. Yep. <sighs> okay. Okay. What the fuck's happening? The, oh, the mathematic lava shit in the cave, which is very heisty, very cool. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, and Renzo kicks ass in this next chapter. Um... So fuck yeah he does. Oh my I'm god. I'm so excited. This is this was my favorite chapter. This was like in like heist movies when the character is in the museum and the fucking like red beams are across the floor and they're like doing all these like maneuvers and flips and shit to get to the other side. This is what Renzo's doing but with fucking falling lava. Yep. Ah, oh, it's so cool. Yep. It's so cool. It's- fucking incredible oh my god and like okay and so what i loved even more about this not to spoil it before you summarize it but to spoil it before you summarize it i fucking loved that he didn't do it perfectly and got injured yes made it thousand times better yeah oh my god i love Mm -hmm. that yeah he almost burned his butt he did almost (laughs) burn his butt and he straight up burned his boobs his man boobs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yes so good oh my god yeah that was awesome so he's like he's taking his time it takes him like 30 minutes to get from one end to the other over to the pool because he's just being like really careful um he's like waiting and then he's doing his jump because he's like recognized a pattern with the falling lava so he's like making his way he's got like 12 or so jumps to do and some of this magma is just missing him by a hair. And once he gets to the other side, then it's established that he has had a couple of burns. Um, and Bix wants to ask him if he's okay, but she also doesn't want to distract him, which is probably a good call. Um, and then Tobble wonders if Renzo at this point will run off with the sword and leave all of them behind. And Bix kind of has this moment where she's like, yeah, the last guy I trusted was Luca, and he definitely betrayed us, but I think Renzo's different. And, like, I don't think we did any more in-text justification apart from that. No. To know that he is the best. No, that was it. Yep. They straight up left it at, yep. he actually might run off with the sword, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And even after he, Okay. Uh, no, I will let you keep summarizing before I make this point. <laughs> okay. Um, da, ba, 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 ba. So they watch as Renzo uses the sword to feel around in the pool, and after a while, he pulls up the shield with with the uh, with like the pommel of the sword, and he pulls it up by the holding strap. Um, he keeps digging around, and he's just like coated in sweat, and he's getting so frustrated. And finally, he comes back with the shield, and he says, "There's another object in there, but he can't get a grip on it." Um, Gambler's like, what if we just break the side of the pool and drain the water out? Which feels like very Harry Potter to me, honestly. Um, like when he's trying to get the, the locket out of the pool and he's like, yeah, I'll just like scoop the water out. Um, but anyway. But didn't that not work? No. Like, didn't it refill? Yeah. Yeah. 
and he had to drink it and god it's been so many years since i've read harry potter Ugh. sorry turf suck fuck it i'm not reading it fuck off. yeah basically I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for even sorry. mentioning it um <laughs> da, 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 da. shit i lost my place where am i Oh yeah, so Gambler says break the break the dam, release the river. But then Renzo's like, no, because the entire chamber would fill with steam, and he wouldn't be able to get back to them. Um, but Renzo's like, but we did deduce that there is another way out due to the lies. And Tobble is like, hey, shouldn't all this steam be going somewhere? And they all look up, and they can see the moon, and they are at the bottom of an active volcano. Yay! Um, so Renzo kind of shuttles each member of the party across the lava obstacle course, um, using the shield and, um, they look inside the pool and they see that there is like something square inside of it and Tubble finds some stairs. So Kara says, okay, we're going to break the wall of the pool. The water will flow out. I'll use the sword. I'll slide the box onto the shield and Renzo will carry it. So she sends everybody else up the stairs and they... This was weird. So, like, they climb up the stairs, they hear a huge commotion, and then Kara and Renzo come giggling up the stairs behind them with the box, and they're just complimenting each other and just laughing like fools. And I thought it was really interesting that they, like, took us away from the action and had it happen off screen. I fucking love that. Because, like, in my mind, that was straight up, listen... We could explain to you how they got this and whatever, but that's a lot of fucking writing for us. <laughs> so instead, you're going to follow Bix up the stairs and it's just going to happen off screen. But then these two fucking adorable idiots come running up the stairs, giggling with each other. And I fucking love oh. that so much. And then, like, Renzo just throws out this totally, like, that went exactly according to plan and nothing went awry at all. And Bix is like, that's a lie like that's straight up a lie <laughs> like and i fuck i love that like every part of the scene was like so obscured i loved how it all fell into place but it is so fucking weird that in a book where there's no limitations on what we can or cannot be a part of that Catherine straight up chose like they're not gonna be a part of the second half of this heist like they're just gonna meet up with them later like i fucking loved that choice so much i thought it was amazing yeah it was so interesting. Yeah it, yeah, it was super interesting. It's such an an off the wall choice, but I fucking loved it. It's great. I mean, it makes sense that like you only needed Kara and Renzo down there. Otherwise, you know, everyone else would have just been in the way, and they might have been burned by the water. And yeah, but still, yeah, I I fucking love that. It was great. It was so good. And I love that the two of them had that, like, rapport at the end of it. Like, Kara let herself kind of go a little bit. Yeah. Aw. They're gonna gonna kiss each other. Probably. (laughs) Aw. They might not, but... They're gonna hold hands, maybe. Aw. They're gonna (laughs) snuggle. I don't know. Ugh. Cute. Oh, my God. I love that there was a commotion, too. Like, they're like, just chaos happened below us. And then they came up laughing. I don't know. I love that. I loved it so much. That's... I've I've fucking loved it. It's such an off the wall choice, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> but like, can you just imagine? Like, say you're out with your friends, and you're all like fucking drunk, and you're like 
walk out of an alley, but you hear this, like, bang behind you, and you see two of your friends come, like, running up, like, giggling. Like, I don't know. It's just a very kind of, like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's just so charming. It is. It is. <sighs> but yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're going to open the box. Let's open the box. They open the box. Open the box. open the box that they stole from the pool. Um, and it's stuffing things inside of the box. It is a beautiful crown covered in gemstones and jewels and cakes and creams. Can I? Yeah. When Renzo put it on Kara. <gasps> oh, I know. Oh, I know. I love that so much. Think- and then he's like, it suits you. And she's like, she whips it off. She's like, no, I used to be part of royalty, but I'm like, I'm not, or like part of a not, noble family is what she said. Yeah. Not royalty. Noble family. She's like, but I'm not like that anymore. But I fucking. Ugh. Yes. That, okay. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this is hitting a very specific thing that I love, but the idea of like a thief who very much knows the value of everything and like who theoretically would be pocketing this stuff to take it away and having that thief put it like place it on somebody else and be like this suits you. I fucking love that. I also love that this is clearly foreshadowing. Yes, it is! Kara's absolutely gonna rule the world! Oh my god, she's going to be the queen. She's starting off from a point of, I don't do crowns. I am not royal. I'm just a girl. And you know by the end of the shit, she's going to put the fucking crown on. You know. And Renzo's gonna be the one to crown her. Yes! Another prediction. Uh Absolutely, that's gonna happen. Oh my god. Oh my god. I love this so much. Oh god. Oh, I'm so emotional now. I'm so excited. (laughs) This is I fucking love this so much. This is oh my god. It's just such a perfect setup. It's so good. And like the foreshadowing is amazing. It is. Oh, I love I love them. I love their relationship so much. Like, I'm so glad that we spent every single Luca chapter just smashing <laughs> that fuckwad into the ground. And we were like, we are Team Renzo all the way. Oh and now god. Renzo's here. He's... And he's just as amazing as we thought he was going to oh be. Oh my god. Fucking Luca. <laughs> Fuck Luca. Luca's the worst. I hate that motherfucker. Ugh. Hope he dies in a fire. <laughs> Don't care if he dies. A slow roasting fire. Slow roasting fire. Hope Renzo kills him. Don't don't really care. Uh, but oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, okay, I'm gonna spoil more shit because this is the point I was gonna make a second ago, yeah. but then stop myself. Yep, yep. So this is the point where like the sword is back in Kara's possession yep. at this point. Yep. And the whole like crown everything happens and Kara points out like, oh, so like we're with you. You know how much this shit's worth, blah, 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 blah. Like, so they're basically talking like you're a thief. You know what this is worth. You know, are you going to take it and try to sell it? Blah, 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 blah. And Renzo straight up points out like, no, if I was going to steal some shit from you, it would be your sword because that's worth 10 times any of this shit. Yeah. 
And like Renzo very much argues with the group that they should sell this stuff because they need cash to mm-hmm. keep continuing on this journey. Mm-hmm. But like, I love that he acknowledges how much the sword is worth. And then like in the rest of his speech without acknowledging it, without making a big deal out of it, it's just like a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be stealing the sword to sell it. They're going to do other means. They're going to do other shit. And yeah. like, I, especially after the whole, like, do you trust me with it scene? Yeah. And like, he, she, she was kind of forced into trusting him with the sword. I fucking love that whole subtext there. Like, it's, I, it's just brilliant. And the way it's written, I just love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, oh. I love it. I love it so much. Oh. <laughs> So good. It's so good. Renzo is such a good fucking character. I mean, they all are. They're all amazing characters, but like, Renzo's like straight up my jam. Like that's that's exactly the type of character I love. Yeah. (laughs) Aww. He's a good boy. He's a good good boy (laughs) who's morally gray. I fucking (laughs) love that. Me too. Me too. I am bored by characters who are just good. Like, that's so boring. Yeah. Make them troubled. Make them fucked up. That's what I love. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Damage them. Damage them. Give them PTSD. Give them trauma. Give them fucking mental issues. Give them a sordid past. Make them evil and yet having a like streak where they want to be good. Like, oh, I love that character so much. Me too. <laughs> but I do love a character who is good and perfect all the time. And that is Tobble. And Kara's like, okay, we're done here. Let's let's keep climbing. And Tobble's like, no, hang on. I want to see what the other thing in the box is. Because he's great. And it is a cylinder that is wrapped in leather and it's got two different glasses at each end of it. Um, and Tobble is a good boy. And he's kind of like checking it out. And he's like, it kind of feels wrong to just like run off with these objects. And Kara's like, it feels wrong because it kind of is wrong. And Renzo's like, no, 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 The Natites lied to us and they are probably going to kill us. So, and that's when he says we can sell these objects for coin down the road and save their own lives. Um, and Kara asks for Bix's opinion. And this is where Bix kind of reiterates that she can never be a leader because leaders are not allowed to be uncertain, which like Jake's vibes, Jake vibes. Um, and she finally says that They are only doing a small wrong for a greater good. And Gambler absolutely agrees with her. And Kara says, Tobble can keep this silly toy. Um, Gambler says they have to continue climbing because he is hungry. He did not like the fish. And he is hangry. (laughs) He is hangry. And, okay, did Gambler or did Gambler not say they had to keep climbing because he was about to shit his pants from the fish? I think that was definitely implied. It was absolutely implied. He's like, I am literally going to shit if we don't, like, we have to move. I'm going to yeah, shit. It's going to be bad. Yeah, he says something like, I did have food, but it was not good. It did not agree with me. We gotta move. <laughs> I'm going to shit in this pool if we don't keep moving. Uh, I was so like strangely delighted by that. 
<laughs> oh my god, poor gambler. Uh, so there's like 10,000 steps up the side of this volcano, and they climb each and every one of them. Kara launches into this really fucking cool thing about how... So presumably they're climbing up like this side of the volcano, and she says like, this was built from the top down, and let me tell you why. Because as you're ascending the staircase, you can't move your right arm, but you have plenty to move, uh, plenty of room to move it as you're descending. Therefore, it's built from the top down as a means of defense. I thought that was so fucking cool. And yeah, ah, uh, and then Renzo comments, "That was oh amazing." Yeah, like that's like I wonder if that's like a real thing taken from like real historical architecture. <gasps> I bet it is because I just was this past week found out why on horseback you always pass with your right to the outside. So you go like left to left is how I remember it because you have your pistol on the right hand side. So if you pass on the other side, you could accidentally shoot the person you were passing. So that's why to this day on horseback, you're supposed to pass with like your left to left. So yeah. So I think like I read that and I was like, oh yeah, that's probably fucking true for sure. Oh, but what if you're left-handed? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. I feel like until, like, the past 10 years, people who were left-handed were told they were wrong and told to, like, do stuff with their right hand. Is that not true? Um, maybe. I know Matt was ambidextrous, and then somebody told him to just choose a hand, so he picked the right hand. Allegedly. <laughs> I see you rolling your eyes over there. <laughs> I No, I didn't roll my eyes. I, I just, I did a rock eyebrow because, like... <laughs> What happened in my head was I was thinking, like, did he choose the right or did the person say, like, be right handed because, like, 90% of the population is and you'll never be able to drive stick shift if you're left handed. Like, that's what I was imagining happening. That could be true. Yeah. So it wasn't like in my head, it wasn't like, oh, Matt was ambidextrous. I don't believe that. I was like, I don't believe he chose that on his own. I'm sure the person was like, be right handed so you don't fuck up everything. Be right. And have to buy special scissors at the store or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. No, I wasn't dunking on Matt. (laughs) I was thinking thinking about the assholes that probably forced him to be right handed against his will. Or maybe not against his will. I don't fucking know what he chose. But, like, I was thinking there was input that was not his in that decision. I could easily see that being a thing. Yeah. Because I remember that, too. Like, when I was in school, I remember being in the classroom and, like, well, we were inside. So we we weren't in the portables anymore. So it was fourth or fifth grade. And I just remember, like, there was a left-handed kid in the class and the teacher was constantly on him, like, you, like, just try, like, it was the scissors was what I remember the most of. It's like, we don't have left-hand scissors for you. You have to, like, use your right hand, use your right hand, train your right oh, hand. Geez. You're going to have to, if you ever want to drive stick shift, you're going to need your right hand. So just train your right hand. Like, I just remember the teacher being on this kid and not, like, super mean, but just like, hey, man, if you want to function in this world, you're going to have to learn how to use your right hand. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I mean, maybe that's not a thing anymore. Maybe it was super outdated. I don't know. But, like, I remember it happening to somebody when I was a kid. Yeah. 
So I have to imagine. And wasn't it, it was a big plot point in Rugrats too. Wasn't there a whole episode where Chucky was <gasps> yeah! like switching between? Yeah. And they forced him to be right-handed because his dad was all pissed that he was going to be left-handed. Yeah, or somebody told his dad that like, oh, he was going to have so much more trouble if he was left-handed. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I remember that. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow, I can't remember jack shit, but I'll tell you about the Rugrats episode from 30 fucking years ago. Oh my god, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, like, that's a thing. Damn. And I'm sure, like, in fantasy times, a.k.a. medieval times, that, like, it was like, well, the king decrees you're right-handed, so fucking figure it out. Like, you know, there's not gonna be, like... Or if you're you're left-handed, you're a witch. And you need to be killed. Probably. <laughs> I feel like that's a legit thing. They're probably like, oh, this guy's fucking, you know, use your right hand. Otherwise, they're going to burn you at the stake. Right? Uh. Assimilate. Yep. No. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. Yeah. But I liked <laughs> the staircase back. That was really cool. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> back to what we were talking about. <laughs> 30 goddamn minutes ago. <laughs> I also like um, Renzo comments that a fact like that is definitely something an ordinary girl with a magic sword would just happen to know, which like, that's a great <laughs> bit of sass right there that I loved. It, but totally true, right? Yeah. Like her whole background is she was trained and like, she's, I've been trained since I was two. These guys have been training since they were teens. That's why I can beat them. Like, yep. Yeah, yep. Great. Love it. Oh. Uh. And then meanwhile, while all this is going on, Tobble is playing with his his little toy and being like, look, I can make my toes look small because <laughs> he's precious. All of his commentary in the background was fucking flawless. Oh my God. It's so funny. He's just great. He was beautiful. He's a beautiful baby. He's great. He's the best. You're You're right. I do actually also love pure, pure, beautiful characters because Tobble is perfect. <laughs> Who occasionally goes into berserker mode and rips faces off. Listen, you know what I like, Casey. You know what I like. It's the good, healthy streak of chaos. Anyway, sorry. Back to Tobble being a fucking adorable, beautiful baby looking at his super small his toes. His tiny toes with his toy. His tiny toes. I mean, they have to find some way to pass the time because they climb these 1,000 stairs for many hours and it fucking sucks and they're hungry and they reach the final landing and on this landing there's this like big very intriguing giant oak door and they're like i can't possibly deal with that right now i need to go to bed uh which is great energy and like they straight up said they're going to take a short rest (laughs) (laughs) recover some hp yeah, it was straight up like video game talk or like board game talk. Oh, it was like, love it. we're going to recover half strength. Yep. Yep. It was great. Oh. Um. Yep. Tobble. Sorry, I lost my place again. Oh, yeah. So they're taking a nap. Um, Tobble sleeps with his head on Bix's shoulder. And she is once again looking at the map she has drawn that she keeps in her little pouch. And she's thinking about Darren Holm. 
And Tobble wakes up from a dream in which he was trying to escape from fire and lava on one of the slug ponies. And I don't know how to pronounce this word. Bix asks him why he doesn't just Savrail? Yeah, I read Savrail as well. Which is when you can control what's happening in the dream while you're still asleep. Apparently Darren's do it all the time. And Tobble's like, whoa, if I could do that, I would have flying dreams all the time. Which, like, same. What is that called, though? Um, lucid dreaming, right? Yeah, I think Which so. Which is one you can control. Yeah. yeah. Savrail or lucid dreaming. Savrail. Ha ha. Savrail. Yeah, I guess. Savrail. It's, it is frog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not French. <laughs> sorry. Um, and he he is just a little sweetie, and he reassures Bix that they're going to find the island, they're going to find more Darren's, and she's like, you're a good friend, Tobble. And he goes back to sleep, and she pats his little head, um, and she feels many emotions, hope and fear and anxiety and lonely and loved, overwhelmed, confused, all of those things. Um, and then she kind of remembers how she h- used to hate being the runt, But then she realizes that she actually had it pretty easy because back then she was responsible for no one. And now she was responsible for so many. And that's just like, oh, super hard hitting. Oh, yeah. God. Lost innocence is what that was. Oh, my God. I know. Like, you can just feel her guilt over, like, dragging her friends through all this just, like, compounding and compounding. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's okay. To jump kind of back to the last book, too. Yeah. Like, we predicted, I think you specifically predicted that, like, with all of, like, with the decision that was made whether to lie or tell the truth about the Darren Island, that was going to condemn her friends. So she debated lying, but she didn't. But you predicted that, like, over time, this, like, compounded guilt and, like, throughout their adventures, you wondered how, like, the lying would affect yeah. that. Like, would basically, would she learn to lie or whatever? Yeah. And I feel like this is very much, like, a step on that journey of, like, this compounded guilt mm-hmm. of all the shit they have to go through is going to cause me to start lying to my friends. Yeah. Like, I feel like your prediction is on its steps to coming mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Like, I'm going to lie to my friends to save them. Or to mm-hmm. rid, rid because, them of this quest like, or whatever. Exactly. Because yeah. I've spent so long feeling guilty about yeah. them. Like, this is the first night where, like, she's like, I'll take first watch, blah, 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 because she feels guilty. They're all tired. They're all exhausted. Yep. You know, Renzo's injured. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, so Bix is like, I'll take the first watch. Like, it's literally, like, this is step one and two. And, like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yep. I think you are absolutely going to be proven right. And this is just evidence of that. Yep. Yep. Oh, and I forgot to mention that that they're climbing the stairs, and Tobble, who is the smallest, was climbing with them, and everybody offered to help him or like carry him, and he was like, "Nope, I'm good." And I just love that. I got it. He's I fucking love Tobble so he's much. He's pulling his weight like the rest of the group. <sighs> he's just like he's just like the kid, like the little brother of the group, but he's just so fucking good. He's perfect. <sighs> Perfect and beautiful. I love him so much. I love him too. Little Tobs. Get in there! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Um, Anyways. So they sleep until dawn, and they decide to open the door, and 
They like they like get ready to rumble, and Kara's like, "Okay, Bix, you open the door and hide behind it if there's something bad behind it, and we'll take care of it." Um, so Bix opens the door, and there's nothing behind it. They reveal that they are on the rim of a caldera, and it is snowing, and there's this beautiful view of mountains to the north and to the east, and a very large expanse of flatland to the west. Um, they're looking around, and Kara thinks she spots a village. And Tobble's like, oh yeah, that's definitely a village. And like, there's this building and this thing and this thing. And they all look down at him and he's looking through the tube and he has dubbed this tube a theurgic big and small maker. And so everybody takes turns looking through it and they're like, oh my God, one end makes everything look big and the other end look makes everything look small. It's a spyglass, basically, you guys. Um. But Renzo says there isn't anything magical about it. It's just a made scientific object. So Tobble renames it the Far Near. Um, so the group makes their way down the mountain, and that takes all day. And before they get to the village, they decide to camp out at night because they don't want to startle anyone in the middle of the night. Um, in the morning, they approach and they are greeted by a bunch of archers who fire warning shots at their feet. Um, and a knight shows up and is like, state your business. And Kara's like, we're peaceful travelers. We're just trying to pass through and we will move along peacefully if we're given food and water. The knight agrees, but he says he cannot let them enter. And he tells them that war is coming and the forces of Nadara are gathering, as well as the Khazar Sigdrit. And Kara's like, hang on, I thought King American ruled Drayland. But the knight says the king is no more and he will not speak any father of the Khazar. The group's like, well, I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's not our problem. So they are given food and water. And as they leave, uh, Bix notices that Gambler is behaving weirdly. She's like, what's wrong? And he tells her that Khazar, Sigdrit are feel of it words and very dangerous ones at that. Oh. Uh, should I just go into the next chapter because it's kind of a t- continuation? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Keep going. So this is the final chapter. So Gambler goes on to say that Khazar is an ancient title and that basically means absolute ruler. And Sigdrit is shorthand for one who is without compassion or a killer. Um, and he says that Filovitz no longer believe that kind of thing. Um, like, they no longer believe in ruling over all other species. And Drayland has fallen for the lies of a Valti, um, which essentially sounds like a feel of it dictator who like provokes hatred of other species and intimidates others to join in the mindset or throws them in prison. So that's great. Um, <laughs> and as they move through the countryside, they see a bunch of war camps being set up. And there's like horses and blacksmiths and supplies and troops. And Bix counts about 4,000 troops altogether. Um, and they can't pass by the soldiers unnoticed, so they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, and then Bix kind of complains about war and how, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Blah, blah, blah. Um. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) That's all I could think of. Um, and Renzo's like, war is a great way for humans to seize power, to dominate and control. And Bix is like, that is a very thoughtful answer coming from a simple boy thief. Which I think is an indicator that he's not just a simple boy thief, but that's just me. Um, it's not just you. I agree. <laughs> it's it's also me. Also me. I also feel this thing. I also feel this Yay! way. Um, so they figure the island that they're looking for is headed north, um, but to get there they must cross rivers to get 
to the sea and they have to go over rough terrain and it sounds very difficult. Bix once again feels bad about leading all of them into danger. They assure her again that they're all in this together. And then Tobble starts talking about some Wabic uh, mythology. Um, he's like, it's all about fate. And Hanadru is a pure spirit of the Wabics, and she lives in the clouds and paints the fate of all on her great easel. And Renzo kind of cuts in and he's like, fate is for people who are afraid to take responsibility for their own lives. Um, and then eventually Kara's like, okay, we're going to head north because that's the only option. And may Hanadru paint the path with a generous paintbrush. And that's the end of part one. And a great part it was. The whole Tobble religion thing, though, just thrown in at the I end. I know. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. It's getting more and more layered as we learn more and more about each of the races and their history and their their beliefs. And, oh, man, it's great. Mm-hmm. But Renzo did basically say, I don't believe in luck. I make my own yeah. luck. Yep. Which is total thief. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thief line. Although, Inej is very religious. And she is a thief. But they're all kind of thieves, I guess. Well, she's like more... She's the shadow of yes. the... The wraith. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, our analogy isn't perfect yet, but we will hone yes. it in. <laughs> but... So uh, good. I fucking love this part. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much in it. Ah, I'm so excited for the feel of it dictator. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, okay. I loved that Gambler is like, this is not like a modern day thing. This yeah. This is like a fucked up weird cult thing. Like, this is cult yeah, shit. Yeah, it is cult shit. Dude. It's culture. It's straight Oh culture. my god, it's feel of it, Hitler. It's a feel of it cult, and we're... They're gonna take down a cult. That's so cool! Another prediction. That's so cool! Another prediction, they're gonna take down a cult. Oh my god. Yeah, that's, that's fucking badass. <clears throat> oh my god. Well, and like... We, I'm so excited to see more of the feel of it's because, like, in the first book, it, you know, we basically only went gambler... And kind of the only thing we learned about the Philobets is that they're solitary and that the humans are coming after them to, like, eliminate them like they did the Darens. So, like, that's mm-hmm. all we know at this point. But now we're going to see the Philobets kind of, like, like a different side of them. And I'm so excited. I'm super excited as well. And, like, I feel like we've seen Catherine, like, really fle- flesh out, like, Darren's and dogs, like that kind of aspect, but like cats, mm-hmm. with all the Visor Three content, <laughs> I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> oh my god! Like this is gonna be so much fun, oh. and it's a cult. It, fucking, it's love a that. fucking cult in a kid's book. It's a cult. It's a cat. It's cult. a cat cult. Cult of cats. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm ready. This is going to be so good. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Oh my god. I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Do we want to look at the next illustration? I accidentally did. (laughs) That looks... So, um, so the next illustration 
has one of the Terra Terramans. Terramans. Yeah. The the bug the guys, the insect yes. guys. Yeah. So, you know, I'm already fucking excited. Yeah. Bix looks baffled. Yeah, Bix is like, I don't know about this. <laughs> Tobble's like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Ter- Terramund? Uh, Alex. I just yeah. turned the page and I saw the chapter the, the chapter title of the next. What is the chapter title? I'm look, looking. Look. Our boy is yeah. back. <laughs> Valido's oh back, guys. Thank God, I was so. That's the name of the chapter. <laughs> and to think we were gonna tweet it. Oh Catherine. my God, we just had to be patient. Uh, apparently. Oh Christ. Oh my god, I'm so relieved. I was like, there's no way she just like wrote Valino or forgot to write in Valino. Like, she has, no, she has I... editor, she's a fucking consummate professional. She would not have done that. So, I'm excited. I, did we say we had faith in her at the beginning or did we write her off completely? I feel like we said we had faith, but like that could be retconning what we said. In regards to Valino? Yeah. I don't... I don't think I settled on on one thing or another. I mean, I feel like I said I have faith in her. Okay. I feel like that I could be lying to you right. Now. I think I was just deeply confused and mildly concerned, but also like part of me figured that we would have an answer cuz it's Catherine and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Cults for kids. Cat cults for kids. Cults. Cat cults for kids. Cat cult kids. That's I feel Oh no, never no. mind. We can't use that. Oh, okay. I think I missed it. I don't know what happened. Oh, because I was trying to think of the acronym for it would be CCK, and that's too close. Oh. Too close to KKK. We can't yeah, use no, it. No. Scrap that's that. A bad, that's Scrap a bad that. thing. It's a bad thing. Okay. So we're done with that. Okay. Yay. Cats. Cults. We did it. Yay! We read part one. We did. I'm so excited for part two. I know. I, like... I wanted to keep reading through Me this. Too. I'm so excited to get to read it. And there's only four parts in book two. Is it? No, there's five parts, right? Mm. No, only four parts. Is there five parts in book three? I don't know. I'm afraid to look. Yeah, there is only four parts. I'm looking at the, the lines in the book. Oh my goodness. This is wild. I know. But, like, they're about equivalent in length, it looks like, if you look at them. Oh, this first chapter was... Because, remember, book one, part one was, like, 30 pages. This was, like, 80. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they totally... And it looks like part three in this book is, like, super long. Oh, yeah, they're almost exactly the same length. Yeah. Yeah, they're both 381 pages, exactly, I think. Cool. Yup. How did she do that? <sighs> Listen, Catherine is a magical creature that we oh cannot begin to comprehend. My God. We'll never That's know. Ama- How the fuck? Because I realized the other day that like my chapter one of my comic is like twenty pages, and then chapter two is like forty pages, and then it's like sixty pages, and then it's eighty pages. You just keep doubling it every time. I you do. Chapter. It's horrible. I'm like, <laughs> damn! I should have combined chapters one and two. Ugh. There's anyway. time. There is time for the print edition. 
Oh, Christ almighty. I love Endling so much. Oh my god. Such a good choice for the next book to go through. Like, I know. We just we needed this it. after the TV show. Oh my god. Yeah. And yeah, the fanfic. Like, we got the fanfic, which was way so good. But then we just kept going with it. Like, it's so fun to talk about really good books. It is. It is. It gets, like, super disheartening if there's a lot of critique, like, negative critique of yeah. the books. Or, yeah. I mean, it can. It doesn't have to, but it can. But, like, just reading, like, genuinely good fucking books is... Yeah. 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 Books about Natites. Books about Nartek. The Nartek chapters. <laughs> I loved them. Yeah, maybe <gasps> Alex, maybe we'll find a Helmicron equivalent. No! <laughs> no! 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 <laughs> I don't want uh, to. Don't want that. I don't I don't want that. But Michael loves the Helmicron. No! <laughs> Listen, Michael Grant is a wonderful, delightful human being, but there are two things that we fundamentally <laughs> don't agree on. What is Helmicrons? Everything about them. No. No. <laughs> two. Two is that Rachel was reckless and just wasn't going to make it past the war. He said that when we talked to him. I didn't agree with him, but I didn't want to argue with him because he is, like, my hero that, like, wrote the books that <laughs> raised me as a child. So I'm not going to argue with him. But, like, right. no. <laughs> right. <sighs> but one is Helmicrons. <laughs> yeah, definitely Helmicrons. Helmicrons are the... F okay. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Yay! Oh, God. Yay! What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? I... I don't think I had anything else. I feel like okay. we we talked it all out. Sweet. Shall we <gasps> shall we give an outro? Wrap it do? up. Wrap wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Cause we're done with this episode. Excellent. We're dancing. We're dancing again. We're constantly dancing. I just And you'll never see. No, but if you want to talk about your sweet dance moves, you can email me at anonymousandhorsesgmail.com <laughs> or theapplegrantbookclub at gmail.com. That's right. We have two fucking emails. Welcome. Welcome to our Heck new email. Yeah. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or, again, Apple Grant Book Club. We have a Facebook group that no one is a part of but us, and it's really sad. Um, and you can also hit us up on Twitter at Animorphs Anon or Apple Grant Cast, Apple Grant Cast, or Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grant Cast. And we are on all of those places, and you can reach out to us on all of them, and we will respond to you at some point. <laughs> yeah. Or if you want a slightly more instantaneous response, you can come join our Discord server where we hang out with other Animorphs fans and we talk about kind of whatever you know we got channels stuff and we things stuff and things we got pets we got sports we got x-men movies and books movies 
X-Men and Cakes and Creams. Meme channels. We have selfie channels that are sponsored by our good friends in there. So You get a channel and you get a channel and you get a channel. Come to me with a channel idea and you'll get a good channel. Honestly, I you know, there was some really good um plant channels, but the problem was I came up with a pun that was too good. (laughs) So no one got credit for that channel. (laughs) Oh my god, that was such a good channel name. Yeah, so Oof. So good. Check out our plant channel. Also we are on YouTube. We are posting archived episodes of Animorphs Anonymous. And you can find that at Strong Shape International on YouTube. And you can also yeah. listen to Cad Mr. Crisis on there. You can. You can. And I suggest you do. See. Yay. Um, what if I am on a strike from YouTube and I just want to read webcomics, though? Oh, that's a good mindset to be in. And may I suggest you read a webcomic that I make and draw. It's called Beside You. And it is free to read at bsideyoucomic.com. It is also on Tapas and it's also on Webtoons. And if you want to help me make the comic and support me making the comic, um, I have a Patreon page and you can get early access pages and you can get work in progress pages and commentary by me, Casey. And you can find that at patreon.com slash kcdstudios. It's a good time. It's a great time. And I'm going to go ahead and highly recommend that you become a patron of that page. Because, I mean, most of the time I give very oddly specific examples. But this time I'm just going to go with the really overarching that every week you get delivered to your inbox content that is like way ahead of where it's free to read online and it's super fucking worth it because not only do you get to read ahead which means you can lord it over the people who aren't a patron those fucking losers that won't put their money where their mouth is you can lord it over them but also you get a ton of awesome insight into the comic creation process and like in progress drawings and it's fantastic so also you Also, there may be times where I go back and I change dialogue in a page that I have posted to the patrons, but we'll be posting a different page to the real life. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) blooper reels, I guess, is another thing you can have. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's some real ass shit. Like when you start like, you know, fixing stuff that happens, the people that have the copies that have like the, the difference in it, that's that's how you get your money back when it's reprinted. You can be like, hey, Fuck yeah. that's it's, that's where the fucking money's at. It's like the misprinted Pokemon cards that are worth like Precisely. a trillion dollars. Precisely. Or like the, you know, the Spider-Man comic number five, where the first hundred issues were misprinted in this particular way. And now they're worth a billion dollars. Like, oh. you guys, get you can we're giving you the opportunity to get in on the <laughs> ground floor and make money on this in like 50 years. Oh so God. fucking seize the opportunity. <laughs> All right. I have done it. I have read the web comic, but I heard somebody mention Cadmus Crisis about like five minutes ago. What's that about? 
From Cadmus to Crisis is a Superboy podcast that we do with our dear friends David and Drew, who have been on this here podcast, Animorphs Anonymous. Uh, and they were on the Megamorphs 2 in the Time of the Dinosaurs episode and the Alternomorphs 2 episodes. They are a lot of fun. We talk about Superboy. We talk about David's wife giving birth on a fainting couch in one of the characters in the comic books. It's a whole thing. Oh my god. <laughs> we talk about ads. My favorite, one of my favorite bits is ads. And every time we do ads, we get to go ads, 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 ads. And it's one of my favorite things. So. Ads! Yeah. I I highly recommend you check out Cadmus to Crisis. Um, should I plug some other shit, though, that I do? Absolutely. Okay. Recently, I've expanded my repertoire some. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you to check out another podcast. So Animorphs fans, anybody who's listened to Animorphs Anonymous and maybe Minds at Yerk might recognize some names. Those names are Tim and Jenna. And we've started a podcast that's not at all Animorphs related. It is is about the young children's series called Heartland, which is about horses. (laughs) You led me right down a rabbit hole. I led you down a rabbit hole. So we have a podcast called Horse Girls, which is where us gals get together and talk about Heartland and other YA horse novels and horse knowledge. And honestly, what we've done is we've diluted all the most chaotic Animorphs hosts and put them into one podcast. (laughs) I'm Like, legitimately, the three of us are fucking off the rails. Yes. Good. I cannot guarantee you will learn anything about what Heartland is about, but I can guarantee you will get some fucking wild conspiracies. Oh, my God. It's loosely based on the series Heartland. It's loosely based on horses. Like, we set goals for our podcast, and it's things like, one day we have to announce a horse show. Or, like... (laughs) three of us it's amazing so anyway it's it's really fucking fun but then also just gonna i'm gonna go ahead and do a tailspin back into animorphs uh i'm also on a DD live stream and podcast called dungeons and draken beams it's a homebrew DD world that uh our our good friend of the podcast now austin um is our our dm and we play as animorphs characters not the kids our own characters. So um, check that out. Uh, Dungeons and Dragon Beams. The Twitter is DNDB Pod at DNDB Pod for Dungeons and Dragon Beams. Um, so yeah, check it out. We're on Twitch. You can come watch our terrible faces as we play terrible children. <laughs> um, and then you can listen to that later at Dungeons and Dragon Beams. I, there's so much going on now. Like, I don't know how to condense Woo! this. And I'm excited about all of it. So <laughs> You're in all the podcasts. I I am doing so many things. It's wild, but I'm I'm super pumped for this uh, Dungeons and Dragons things because I I've never really played. Like I've played one time, uh, and then I we played a game together just to like check out how like all of our personalities would mesh doing this Animorphs one, and uh, it was really fucking fun. So, Yay. and if you're in the Discord, you know one of the other people on the podcast, Nate. So. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. Check I'm it so out. I'm excited. I'm super fucking excited. Like, by the time this episode goes out, we will have already, like, played some games. I'm super fucking excited. Like, honestly, 
I'm genuinely excited. Like we we cannot be stopped from like just like back channeling each other about our characters and how much we fucking love them and like what they're gonna do in the Animorphs world, and it's it's super exciting. I'm very excited about it. Yay! Anyway, yeah. So that's those are the four thousand things I do. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I think there's only one more credit we have to give. And that's to Jess, our amazing music artist that has made our theme song. Which so. I am obsessed with! Me too! Because it sounds like Tommel when it does the brain brain. So yes, uh, check out Jess's stuff. It's at Reese Music. Uh, or It's Reese, sorry. It's Reese. At It's Reese is what I'm trying to say before I stumble <laughs> verbally over all my words. At the at symbol, the A with the swoosh around it. The swoosh. It's Reese. I T S R E I S E. I'm pretty sure. I'm very bad at I's and E's though, but at It's Reese. Check her out. She's great. You link her. Yay! In She's wonderful. Talented musician and made the amazing intro that we have. Hooray! Yeah! Ugh. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I feel like I've just climbed 10,000 steps up the side of a volcano. All right, well, let's take a short rest and turn this shit off. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, we'll find out what happened to our dear boy, Valino. Until then, stay not in a cult. (laughs) Stay not in a cult. (laughs) Stay not in a cat cult, kids. Keep it cool.